We went to see The Arrival, and we have got a lot to say about it. Lots of new trailers dropped this week, including Ghost in the Shell and Beauty and the Beast. The WWE Survivor Series is this weekend, and we're very excited about it. Google keeps launching hardware products, and we're not really sure what to make of them. And our main story this week is about being a closet geek and being true to who you really are. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Concession Stand. This is episode 11. I am your host, Nick Howell, and with me as always, Mr. Andy Nelson. Andy, how you doing, sir? I am doing great. We start this show as we always do with the Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah! Let's get right into it because we have got a lot to talk about this week. So I have a fun story, Andy, to start the show, and I think the listeners will really enjoy this one. Yeah, you 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 were going to tell me this story last night, but I said hold off because this sounds really awesome <laughs> yes. for the show. So I don't want to. I, I am completely blind on this, so go for it. Well, over the last few weeks, we've uh, w- here and there we've had passive disagreements on episode seven uh, of Star Wars. And last night, I went to a Jersey Mike's to get a sandwich, right? Had a couple errands to run, got some dinner. Got, I was like, oh, I'll have a sandwich. So I was wearing my The Expressions of Chewbacca t-shirt with all of the different, you know, just yeah. kind of uh, looks that he has <laughs> and the emotions, right? And there was this cute little Asian girl that was the cashier, and she said, what if I told you I'd give you um, your your sandwich for free if you give me your shirt for free? And I was like, well, that's haha, funny, and I'm... I thought about it for a minute. I was like, well, I've got some clean shirts in the car. I could actually, how about four sandwiches? So Anyway, so because of that, because I had a Star Wars shirt on, the guy, one of the sandwich artists, uh, chimed in and goes, oh, did you like episode seven? Are, I was they, like, are they sandwich artists at Jersey Mike's, though? I, I, I don't know. I thought that's a Subway thing. Ah, whatever. Yeah. A, so he chimes in and he goes, oh, did you like episode seven? You triggered, right? <laughs> Here we go. Bzzz, pull my yeah, cord, right? Yeah. Uh, I said, no, not really. I, I wasn't really a fan. He goes, and I just got that kind of, oh, my God, how dare you? What? How could you not like episode seven? I'm like, well, you know, it was basically just a rehash of the plot of episode four, ultimately, and uh, it was masturbatory fan service to bring back all these old characters instead of actually introduce new subject matter. So this triggered two guys that were in line behind me. So now we've got the cashier girl interested in my shirt. We've got sandwich artist guy just blown away that somebody doesn't like episode seven. And then two other guys start arguing with me over semantics. Like, well, yeah, but wasn't it cool when like Han Solo got to shoot Chewie's bow? And I was like, yeah, but that's you're making my point for me. That's really all that was. Yeah, but it was awesome. Okay, but that doesn't make it a good movie. Uh, yeah, but you know, I said the things that I like here, buddy. The, the things I liked about it, Ray was awesome. Uh, she absolutely killed it. Finn, Poe, BB-8, all these things that are new in the movie is what excited me. Like I got to, oh, I got to see all these new characters emerge, and why is he important? Why is this person important? And this went on for a good twenty minutes. Like even after I had my sandwich and was rung up, we we ended up stepping off to the side while we got our drinks, and this kept going. So I mean. Yes, I understand I'm in the minority. I understand that I just don't jizz in my pants every time Han Solo walks on screen. I do. Uh, well, and and they will, but I mean, you still have to deliver a movie. They did. And you did, but it was stuff we had seen before. We're not going to get into this debate again. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to tell a fun story. I think it's funny, first of all, that Jersey Mike's is now a, a, a safe place to talk about uh, Star Wars, and uh, I guess I will never eat a sandwich anywhere else. I'm going to get sandwiches at Jersey Mike's from now on, <laughs> because I might get into a Star Wars debate, and apparently everybody there is on my side who actually liked the movie. 
Uh, and if I remember correctly, you and I went and saw it at the Chinese theater and you walked out of there liking it. You had those sort of problems, but I think the more that you've sat and thought about it, you have your issues with it just being a rehash of episode seven. And I'm okay four. with that. Oh, yeah, sorry, of episode four. And I'm okay with that because you can't have all of these new characters without having the old characters pass the torch. We're not going to debate about this anymore. But, yes, I think it's hilarious that you're like, I'll take a number eight. And Sandwich Guy's like, wait, you like episode seven? Or you didn't like episode seven? Wait, do you want more mayo? Okay, but still, like that kind of thing. No, I didn't like it. Shut up and put bacon on my sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we did actually, uh, we did go see another movie this week. Uh, that aside. Like last night we went. Uh, last so night is, we went is, to see. This is still very fresh in our minds. Yeah. And we we had a very, very long discussion that ran all the way up through Metal Madness uh, last night. So we went to see The Arrival. Yep. Big sci-fi. This is the sci-fi movie of the, of the winter. And you're going to see like this awesome sci-fi movie. Check out this trailer where they walk up and they, they're at a sci-fi thing. We're, we're sci-fi geeks. That's why we do this show. Yep. Right? Yep. And... Uh, well, first of all, let me throw out their spoiler alert. Okay, if, yeah. if you're if you haven't seen the arrival yet and you want to stay pure, don't listen to this next stuff because yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about what broke down. Well, not the not for the entire hour. We're gonna give it a literally few fast forward. You yes. should fast forward right now, and we'll tell you the time after we edit this. This, but uh, edit this. This uh, literally fast forward right now. We will tell you the time in a moment. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear spoilers for the arrival, please fast forward to the 12 minute and 30 second mark. Thank you. So the arrival, I agree with you. It was the the sci-fi movie of the decade. This is the one you've been waiting for and all of that stuff and building you up. And it looked amazing. The poster was awesome. I'm not the biggest Amy Adams fan, but okay, she did good in Lois Lane. Fine, I'll give her a shot. I love Jeremy Renner, love Forrest Whitaker. So I was in. Even before we sat down, I'm like, yes. I was too. This is aliens and you know stuff. Uh, the premise and setting it up is that she is a language expert. A linguist. Linguist. She's a cunning linguist, as they say. Ooh. Hello. Uh, so she gets recruited by you know this dark arm of the military to go and communicate with the aliens, learn their language, teach them ours, teach them English, and you know we can have a conversation ultimately to define... Why are they here? What is your purpose on Earth? That's the whole thing. The whole thing is the, is the idea of now these, these obelisks, if you want to call them that, have yeah. landed in 12 strategic places across the globe, and each government is now trying to do their thing of communicating with said aliens who they conveniently named Abbott and Costello. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this. Uh, without spoiling too much of the movie, to me this thing has like this like uh, uh, M. Night slash... Christopher Nolan Interstellar, uh, uh, Wachowski Brothers sort of ending, right? They had me, and I believe you, hooked for the first two acts of this movie. It was, all right, we're going we're gonna to drive up to the obelisk, like kind of like it, it set up like they had like a base camp, kind of like they did in Close Encounters, right? And then they, they, they have this military place, and, and Forrest Whitaker is talking in a weird accent for some reason, but still, that took me out of it for a second, but sure. So they eventually get up into this alien obelisk, and we start to see these things that look like... Um, uh, heptapods, uh, they he- called heptapods, them. Heptapods, yes, which look like squid, but whatever. 
right? So we get this. In, okay, you remember like Close Encounters, like even in the extended cut, right? Where Dreyfus actually walks up, and we don't really see what they are, but there's that like white light behind them, and he walks mm-hmm. up into the ship, and in, in the movie ends. But in your mind, you're like, oh wow, what would it be like to actually talk with them? Because all we know at this point in Close Encounters is doo 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 doo, right? Yeah. But they're going to go in, and we're going to communicate, we're going to make contact, and we're going to talk to them and figure out why they're here. Blah blah. blah. This movie, we actually got the second act of them learning their language and them teaching us their language from the Americans' perspective, but at the same time, the Chinese are doing something and the Russians are doing something and they're fighting and then it ends up in this weird, like, uh, like this memento, like, lost sort of, like, what? Like, there's, like, a backstory and, like, something about the future and, uh, like, I got lost. And at the end of the movie, I... I wanted it to end a certain way, and it didn't, and 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 you were very upset about it. Where I was more like, oh, man, you know? I, I am convinced that Damon Lindelof snuck in and wrote Act <laughs> 3 of this film. Sure he did. Um, it, 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 it reminded me, and I remember ex- uh, just exclaiming this over and over again, that that reminded me of the last season or two of Lost, the end of the film. Right. The first two acts were... Everything you want sci-fi to be, yeah. Period. Yes, it was. It is it just. It was dark and brooding and gloomy and military and aliens and weird sci-fi tricks and music and all of yeah, that stuff. And th- that stuff where they go up on a scissor lift into the obelisk and then suddenly they're about to step onto this thing and like they defy gravity and then start walking up a wall and they, yeah. they question it. That was amazing. It was brilliant and everything about that was like okay, that's how it should be. They have this technology we don't understand. I don't know what else to say other than you should probably wait to see this on disc. Here's the here's the counter to this to our position, right? The critics, the boomers critics are blowing up. They they're, they're loving it. They love it. They're loving the references to Kurt Vonnegut and like you said, Close Encounters and all of this stuff that's uh, going on with the, the flashbacks of her having a kid and it actually being this weird presence of nonlinear time and uh, all of that stuff. I just... I don't need to go to the internet or go read Neil deGrasse Tyson or Stephen Hawking's Twitter account to understand what happens at the end of a movie. If I don't the, need if that. that. If and that I, happens, I, they I, failed. Right, and I consider myself a very well-educated human being. I'm very well-versed in sci-fi. I get that stuff like this happens. The problem is I have to go somewhere else to understand the ending of a movie instead of them explaining it in the fucking movie. And that's the hipster nature of the world that we live in right now. Oh, we're going to present stuff to you that you've never heard of before, and then you have to go and research it so you understand understand it and then it'll be cool and you know what no it's not again we're probably going to have the the differing opinion from everybody else that's going to see this movie but that's what we think and that's that's it cinematically this is a great movie performance wise i thought it was fantastic uh but then at the end it ends where it's like wait is that the future is that the present it's like it's memento but not really and it's like that feeling you got at the end of the matrix you're like wait what happened wait what are the rules like you can't I get it. If 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 there's rules that, that are in the movie, don't leave it up to me for interpretation. Tell me what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me what they are, and I'm okay with that. Explain the world right. that you're presenting to well, me. Well, they said it's 3,000 years from that, but that's actually actually only a couple of seconds in linear time. They need to say that in the movie. Yeah. Period. Look, it's 50-50 on arrival as far as whether you'll like it or not. I, I think you'll either love it or you hate it. I don't think there's a middle ground. It really pissed me off the way that it ended. I loved everything about it up until a certain point where we started getting these super flashbacks. And what it ultimately was was the aliens somehow programmed her as if she was plugged into the Matrix. When she finally gets through the wall and touches the one's hand, then she has her powers to see the future. And all that stuff that we've seen as flashback in the movie will eventually be the future. So she's going to... To eventually marry Jeremy Renner and have this kid who dies of cancer. That's a horrible, sad story. 
but but in order to get there, we have to save the world from an alien invasion, which was never an invasion at all. All they want to get down here is and talk to us and help them us save them. Yep. That's the story, I guess, right? There was the phrase offer weapon. They were offering their weapon, which was their technology, their you know, their understanding of, of knowledge. To eventually save them. But from yeah. what? They didn't tell us. I, I'm well, sorry. they needed a favor from us 3,000 years from now, which in their perspective in the nonlinear time world was that they didn't explain to us. And I only know this because I read it on the internet today, pissed off, yeah. was that they were going <laughs> to... That they're going to need our help, which in their world is like 10 minutes from now. Well, maybe you should go get another Jersey Mike <sighs> sandwich, and Sandwich Guy will be able to explain it to you. What, you didn't like the arrival? <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, I like the Charlie Sheen one. What? You like yeah. the Charlie Sheen one? Yeah, when his knees knocked back, that was cool. <laughs> <sighs> okay, let's get into some more happier stuff that dropped this week with some actual TV and movie news. So the Ghost in the Shell trailer dropped this week. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with that anime. About uh, a three out of five, probably. Okay. Um, so that was an anime from, I want to say, the late 80s. Uh, it, it's a big-time Japanese anime right. uh, that, that, that uh, it, 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 you know, when, when, you, when you list your top seven or top ten animes, it's like Akira, blah, Ghost in the Shell's up there, right? So we are going to see a live-action movie of this anime, and we saw this trailer drop this week, and it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, uh, and, and there's a bunch of amazing shots. And again, here's another trailer we're getting excited about, which I'm all for, and it looks like something I want to see, but... Well, here's the problem that I have with it, is we're casting, and, and I like Scarlett Johansson in 99% of what she does. There's been a couple of movies that I'm just like, eh, whatever. There's this issue of whitewashing, though, when it comes to Asian-cultured films, uh, we saw it happen with Matt Damon in The Great Wall. There was a huge uproar in the Asian community uh, about, you know, why are you casting a white male protagonist in a role that is about The Great Wall of China? Sure. Yeah, or that battle that ha- that led to that. So I see the same kind of thing happen here, and, and I've read some rumblings about it online. Uh, I don't know how, what to make of this. I don't know that it's that big of a deal. I, I understand that the the Asian community might be a little bit upset about, you know, is quote I'm doing air quotes is America stealing our pop culture all this other stuff if it's a good movie it's a good movie right and and I think you should judge it on those merits not the color of the person's skin or the ethnicity of the person that's in the role because we've seen plenty of movies with many people of color do various roles that could have gone either way I I don't think we need to be so detailed to to really get that right but I want to just say that I do understand the reason for being upset uh, that's one of those things that, you know, I don't frankly get to have an opinion on that because I, it doesn't affect me. Yeah, I respect that. I respect that thought. But at the same time, I look at it as uh, we're trying to sell a movie in America to American audiences. And when you attach uh, Scarlett Johansson or Johansson, 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 <laughs> yeah, think. when you attach Scar Scar Oh, good one. Yeah. When you attach Scar to that, then, yeah, it's going to sell some tickets and it's going to get people interested in something that they might not even care about. So when you say uh, Ghost in the Shell, people are like, what? It looks cool. Oh, she's in it? Great. I think that's kind of where we're at. I think the majority of people out there probably have no idea what the hell Ghost in the Shell is. That's what I'm saying. And so they're, oh, Scarlett Johansson's new movie. You want to go see it this weekend? Yeah, sure, okay. And to your point, exactly. And it gets more tickets sold. It gets more people into it. Maybe we get more anime movies off the back of it. So glass half full kind of approach and perspective to it. I think that, that could be a good thing. At the end of the day, geeks win, right? Totally. Oh, it's a tale as old as time. Speaking of which, 
There was another trailer that dropped this week, and that was the live-action Beauty and the Beast trailer. Now, we'd seen a teaser, but this is the first time we've actually seen like a full-length trailer for this movie. And we talked at length about how Disney is doing their sort of live-action of their anime stuff. And uh, I, have, I have a number of opinions about this movie, obviously as a, as a father of two daughters who watched the cartoon religiously, and I know all the songs, and I know everything about it. I'm more curious to hear what your thoughts were on this trailer. Look, I, I'm not a Disney princess, right? I, I don't. I've been around enough kids and enough, and I like enough of the the Pixar movies and the animated movies, uh, Wall-E and Up, and you know, Finding Nemo. All of the classics are in that category as well. Of course, we've seen all of them. Am I rushing to the theater to get in line to buy tickets to see Beauty and the Beast? No, but as a technologist, as a movie geek, seeing what they've done to put this together is fantastic. I, I think it looks amazing. The, the characters and the effects all look amazing. You've got all the talking and animated objects like you did in the cartoon. Fantastic. Yeah, but my thing is, uh, the only thing that kind of took me away, uh, took me out of that trailer a little bit is like, I don't know if the Beast is fully rendered yet. Now, we've got a couple of months until this comes out. It's like March 17th, St. Patrick's Day actually it comes out, right? Okay. So the Beast to me looked a little too CG, and it feels like that technology, especially what we've seen in Jungle Book and other things with animals with fur, that it could look a little bit more realistic. Am I wrong in, in saying no? That? And and you're onto something there. I, I noticed that as well. It's we could see we could see a better version of him. You know, I, but I think in the in the context of of what they're bringing to the screen, I got it. It looks amazing. The girls are going to go, they're going to yeah. go gaga over it. The kids are going to love it. I, I that's one thing I wanted to say before we moved on was that the. Um, I'm concerned that it's, it might be a little too scary for kids. Oh, I guarantee you. And that parents are going to take their kids to see it because Beauty and the Beast. Sure. Uh, thinking that it's going to be a Disney fun, family fun time movie. I don't know. It looks a little dark. There are, there are some dark elements in that movie. However, I would say that they got the casting right. I think Emma Watson as Belle is great. I think that uh, whoever they got to play Beast is whatever. But the voice is good. I really like uh, uh, Luke Evans as Gaston. Yes. That, looks that was really, really good. And Kevin Klein is, is Papa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And and again, it, it does that like it, it like Disney does this thing with the, the the release times, right? So Cinderella came out that live action thing around the same time last year. That was their first foray, if you will, into that live action thing. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Beauty and the Beast is is the next one. So um, the music speaks for itself. It's top notch. Let me know when they get to Little Mermaid. All right, so uh, going to the complete opposite end of the spectrum uh, of movie, uh, your favorite genre, Andy, uh, horror films. I don't want to talk about this. Specifically, um, two things that I want to bring up here. So the news dropped earlier this week that the director of The Witch, which was a fantastic horror film, horror thriller, uh, is now going to be rebooting Nosferatu, which is arguably, in my opinion, one of the best horror movies maybe ever the original the original black and white so i don't i've never saw the original i've just seen those like those grainy black and white images of nosferatu and that scares the ever-loving crap out of me right and then they i think they did that remake or like no it was like a behind the scenes movie that they did with they did a documentary on Uh, on the making of it there was like an actual movie about it like willem dafoe played the guy played the nosferatu guy right remember that yeah so whatever But this is like a true remake of like that creepy ass shit, and I yep. don't. Guess what? You could tell me all about it because I ain't seeing it. And it's being done by the guy who did The Witch, uh, directed by Robert Eggers. Uh, so he's also going to be directing and uh, helming this film. 
So I, I'm excited about it. Uh, a lot of the great things about Nosferatu is the silhouettes and the imagery and the camera trickery that they did. Yeah. It was terrifying for a movie of its time. I can't wait to see what they do with it with uh, 21st century technology. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Like I said, tell me all about it because I ain't seen it. <laughs> so speaking of dark and gloomy and all of, you know, maybe not scary, but more adult kind of side of things, uh, it was funny to me that an animated Justice League uh, was announced Justice League version Justice League Dark was announced this week and it got an R rating. DC animation has been doing uh, stuff for a number of years now. Like we've we've had Wonder Woman stuff and they've done a lot of uh, takes on all of the, the the DC universe stuff. So we've seen Flashpoint, we've seen um, uh, other uh, uh, New Frontier, we've seen a bunch of uh, DC stories sort of retold in the anim- animated version. And they come out with these movies, you know, every couple of months. Like they did the Cape Crusader thing that was out a couple weeks ago. Um, but this one is. Justice League Dark, which I believe was a story, but if it, if it is, and I, and I should know this, and I don't, but either way, uh, this is an R-rated animated movie that's going to come out on Blu-ray. Uh, it's part of their normal release stuff, and we saw the trailer, which looks great, and it combines the Justice League with sort of the magic side of stuff with one of your favorite characters, John Constantine, mm-hmm. um, and, and we see Dead Man, and we see a bunch of stuff. So uh, uh, I, I like that they're going in this direction, and then that, that we get to see sort of an R-rated stuff. I think the, the Killing Joke that was released recently was also R-rated, so it's cool that they're not just catering to uh, uh, kids with this stuff, but their animated movies might have a little bit of a dark thing to it, so I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, that would definitely get me back more into the animated stuff. Speaking of the animated stuff, there's a there's a beloved character from you know that was kind of tossed aside in episode one, who is now making a bit of a resurgence. Yeah, and this is a character like uh, Darth Maul, and and Darth Maul is a fan favorite and has been for years. Uh, it's it's when he got cut in half in Star Wars. I remember when I was at that midnight show, uh, they they cut him in half and you see him fall down the shaft, and you're like, and I was like, no, because like here's this awesome character. That like is gone, right? Yep. And like what happened? So he's come to back to life in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Now the cartoon, they had a really cool like resurgence of like how he came back and he's uh, made a, a slight appearance, I believe, in Star Wars Rebels. They've they've tried to figure out his backstory, and now he's going to be back in a Marvel miniseries of comics, right? Interesting. So so I mean, paper comics or digital comics? Sure, but at least they're at least that character's still alive. It's kind of what the, I kind of equate it to like Boba Fett. Remember, yeah. like Boba Fett was like in Empire, and then he dies in the Sarlacc pit. But that guy has like this legend of like Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, right? Darth Maul to me is that same kind of character. So yeah. if they're going to make a comic series about Darth Maul, I'm going to read it. Cool. Uh, I think that's going to be awesome. More more Star Wars stuff all the time, as far as I'm concerned. That's not Episode Seven rehashes of Episode Four. Enough. So um, <laughs> in TV news this week, yeah. um, there's some interesting stuff coming out about ESPN and what is going on with that. And I think this relates back to kind of what's going on with the NFL. It's it's the same commentators we've been listening to for 10 years. They don't really do stats shows anymore. It's right. variety shows like Part of the Interruption and First Take and people just sitting around complaining. Right. We've got, yeah. That's, Go that's the big thing that really gets to be. They're just sitting around complaining and giving their opinion. I don't. Want, where's baseball tonight? Where's the shows that break down? Tell me, tell me every stat about every play. That's what I remember ESPN doing for me. Baseball tonight still exists. Here's the thing, though. I, I think that we're in a world where uh, you don't have to, and I think we've talked about this, but you don't have to sit through an hour of Sports Center to wait for your team's highlights to show up. Yeah, right. You can go to the MLB app and just watch the highlights of your game. Done. Two minutes. Condensed games. Whatever it is. 
And you don't have to go to ESPN and wait for that stuff anymore. And you don't have to hear somebody on ESPN talking about it. You can go to Cubs.com and, and hear another other podcast or another video cast of whatever those people talking about it. That's what it is. So what we're the story is is that ESPN in the month of October lost six hundred and twenty one thousand is that it? Six hundred and twenty one thousand subscribers? Yeah. So how does, I, I don't I don't understand what the context of a subscriber is because I under, the way I understand it, if you have cable, you have ESPN. So is that leading to Six hundred and twenty-one thousand people cutting the cord, maybe, or even with basic cable, you get ESPN. Yeah, so I, that means to and does that not get replaced by people watching it on the Watch ESPN app? Maybe there's subscribers there. Yeah, but you have to have cable or DirecTV to watch. Do you? you? Yes, can you, you can't do. play that all the car. You can't. No. Oh, okay. Well, unless you have, unless you have like Sling, or unless you have like PlayStation View. Yeah, but that's not going to be. What does it say? The channel has shed more than 11 million cable customers. That's so they're saying it right there. It's cable customers. Wow. Okay. 11 million cable customers since its 100 million household peak in 2011. So in the last five years. They've lost 11 million people. And their main, their their highest rated program, I think you told me, was Monday Night Football, yeah. right? Monday Night Football. And even the ratings for that are down 20%. 20, 24%. So, I mean, Monday Night Football is definitely ESPN's highest rated program. So, the, the ongoing ratings declines, and this is a bigger story to me because it has more to do with uh, Disney being the, their owner, their, their daddy, and it has to do with cord cutting and cable subscriptions. And I think ESPN needs to figure out what the hell, and even Disney needs to figure out what the hell they're going to do really quick. We're hearing rumblings of Apple shopping around to, for Disney. We're hearing all of this other stuff happening, but they don't want anything to do with ESPN because of the ratings that are plummeting. Right. It's a dying, it's a dying thing. So, but the only thing that, that gets ratings on ESPN or even Fox Sports are live games. Yes, and Fox Sports, as a part of the other uh, side of this article, got a huge boost and actually surpassed the ratings of ESPN because of the Cubs, right. because of Fox Sports 1. So there you go. So, again, that's all about live games. So you can't – a 24-hour sports channel I don't think can exist anymore because people aren't going to care or watch reruns of whatever. And are they really going to care about Dan Lebitard and his dad talking about what they think? And, and maybe they will, but, but, but there's so much other stuff to consume that I don't think that's the case. No, they but, can take everything they do on that channel and put it on the website and call it a day, and they wouldn't have to do that stuff anymore. Or and you, then just stream it to an app. Or you could take a bunch of football and combine it into one channel and skip a bunch of ads, which is what's happening on the DirecTV Red yes, Zone. Totally. So the Red Zone channel, you and I have been both been part of... Um, what do you call it? Uh, the Sunday ticket, right? Yeah. For many, many years now. And there was there was a time when Red Zone was a, a small startup before DirecTV bought them and included them into the Sunday ticket. Yeah. Red Zone was a separate channel that you would get all on its own in addition to your Sunday ticket. Now right? you have to pay extra to get it. Right. <laughs> so here's the deal. If you watch the Red Zone channel, you're just watching scoring plays happen on this special DirecTV channel. And you're switching back and forth between games, but you're not seeing any commercials. So let me give you, let me give you some stats here. Uh Red Zone subscribers are spared from 2,210 minutes of commercials every NFL season, so about 37 hours, 1.5 days. The average NFL game has 63 minutes of advertisements. The NFL Red Zone broadcasts two blocks of games each Sunday. So on the West Coast, it's 10 to 1 and then 1 to 4, right? So at 63 minutes, two blocks of times of games, 17 weeks of football, that's how you get. They, you basically save yourself from one and a half days. That's 36 hours of commercials every Sunday or throughout the season. Throughout the season, but still, that's huge ad yeah. revenue. That that or not ad revenue. Maybe that's why we now pay extra yeah. for the Sunday ticket. Well, I'm I'm more as I've 
I, that's one of the biggest reasons I'm a cord cutter, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, I'm happy to pay those prices uh, if it removes ads from me. And I think Hulu making a Hulu Plus version where you where they got ad-free and you pay like, what, $4 more a month? <laughs> Whatever. Uh Totally. I don't. There's nothing I watch that has commercials anymore, other than like YouTube. And anytime I go to a, watch a video on a website, they're just littered with ads. It's it's absolutely out of control at this point. So that's it. If you're watching football like we normally watch football on the major networks, you're watching a lot of ads. But if you have Directv, you can watch all the games and all the scoring. Like we're you and I are both red zone nuts. That's how we watch football. And that's the pro- only channel I watch on Sunday. That's right. It's probably all based on fantasy football, but still you get all that stuff through the internet anyways and apparently So Google continues to expand into the hardware universe, much like Microsoft is doing, but yep. they've uh, they've now they've come out with the Pixel. They've got their new handheld device or their new smartphone, and now they've come out with a new router. So Google is going to have a hardware Wi-Fi router that you can buy, much like the Apple Extreme, any of the Asus routers, sure. Linksys, any of that stuff, right? Uh, on top of that, they also have a new app that will take, um, will scan old photos and I guess make them look new, like they're digital photos. Yeah, apparently like four snaps on a phone and you can, uh, like, uh, for us, this is what matters. We're the yeah. people that still have like actual, you know, like photo print photos <laughs> yeah. and like the stuff that like, you know, our parents have, or maybe they have some stuff from our grandparents and there's this big, like, there's this big uh, treasure box that we have in attics or in basements or on you know shelves of photo albums, right? That thing doesn't exist anymore because it's all digital. But if you want to take those old photos and turn them into a digital thing, it used to be you'd have to put them into a scanner and you'd wait for one photo. Yep. And, and it could take anywhere from 20 minutes to whatever. And, and then you'd wait and you get photo. a second photo. <laughs> now it's take a, take a picture with your phone four times. One, two, three, four. That photo's done. One, two, three, four. That photo's done. One, two, three, four. Wow. That photo's done on your phone. So you, all of those old memories that are only available in like an actual celluloid paper, photo paper thing are now quickly absorbed into your phone through Google Photo Scan. I think this is a great idea, especially for the baby boomers, especially for people older than us that, you know, my dad tells me all the time, I wish I could, you know, I, I need to come over and use your scanner to, to, to get all these pictures. And I look at like the big stack and I'm like, that's a daunting uh, task. That's going to take me years to yeah. do but now with this phone app like i want to check it out i want to see if this is going to work yeah no kidding and you know it's a great way to purge all of your crap right all the stuff that you have laying around and all of that not so speaking of which one of the big purges that are also happening right now and this blew me away when i read this because i did not understand the scale of the apple app store of just how big it was oh so apple is doing one of their biannual app store purges i didn't right even now. realize they did that biannually oh i, just, I figured that every app that's ever been is still in the app store no nope, universe no nope. okay, anything right. that hasn't been updated about us in a certain amount of time or doesn't work on new devices or anything uh is because they're expected the app developers are expected to keep those up okay uh, and they have a given window when a new version of ios comes to update it push the update fair enough right you know how often you get updates from the app store on your phone for yes, all your apps that you like have every day bingo there you go so um apple had originally stated that the deadline for developers who wanted their outdated apps spared so that they didn't get purged was september 7th so they haven't done anything until today okay so <laughs> that seems to have changed throughout october because we found out today that 47,300 apps were removed from the app store. Wow. In a in a month. Like it normally and this blew me away more. Every week 
Every week, 14,000 apps are deleted from the App Store. Oh. Deleted. How many? I mean, there must be hundreds of thousands of apps that are getting submitted and published and uploaded to the App Store for that kind of number to work. 14,000 get deleted every week. Wow. And that's normal. That's the average. So when you look at the number like 47,000 in, a, in, a, in one of those cycles, that's it's three to four times the normal amount that are, that's getting purged. I just can't fathom that every week 14,000 apps are getting deleted. Well, it's, it's, it speaks to like the app universe that they've created with the phone and all that sort of stuff. But I also wonder, all those apps used to work on your iPhone 4 or your iPhone 5, and they can't update that shit, and then suddenly... Your phone doesn't work anymore because they don't, they don't update these apps in time. And I believe you told me yesterday, after being all pissed off about the arrival, that your phone was doing something. Yes, and last week we talked about how potentially they're... Yes, sir. <laughs> last week we talked... Uh, mid, mid-sentence Stone Cold salute. Uh, last week we talked about how the... Um, uh, the what we were positing whether or not that... Apple was intentionally slowing down your phones, or was it just the evolution of software taking advantage of the newer heart? Blah, 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 blah. So what I've experienced now with my 6 Plus, not a 6S, 6 Plus from 2 Plus years ago, uh, is now happening again. I've experienced it with previous phones, but the battery is starting to run hot. It's starting to shut down on me when it shows 20 to 30% battery life remaining. It just shuts off. Wow. And it reboots itself, right? Uh, like as if, and then when you try to power it back on, it gives you the battery warning sign. So I'm looking at the phone, playing with it, whatever. It says 22 percent, and it just shuts off. Now, again, this is an iPhone 6 Plus. This thing is only two years old. Yes, two years old. That's yes. it. And yes. it's doing this. It's ridiculous. So th- this is. I don't know what is going on with iOS. I don't know. We don't, we'll never know if this is intentional. We'll never know if this is as intended. But this cycle of dropping a thousand dollars every every year, every other year, uh, that's not sustainable. No. And Apple is going to really start getting bit for doing that, even though they have this new subscription plan for 50 bucks a month. It's leasing phones. It's you're leasing, leasing phones a like phone. leasing like a car. It's the same yeah. thing. You're still dropping seven, $800 if you get the, the high-end 7 Plus, right? You're paying, you're paying monthly to have a phone instead of dropping the big amount of money at the front end of it. It's, they sell it to the paycheck-to-paycheck people. It's only 50 bucks a month. Yeah. It's like going down to the corner and buying a, a, a car the used car from Uncle Eddie's car dealership <laughs> where you finance it on the lot, right? Yeah. And it's only, well, what's the monthly payment on it? You don't think about the bigger picture of the longer term. And that's what they're targeting. And it's smart, but it's effed up yes, to do that, those kinds of tactics to sell things. And then off the back of it, sell you $100 worth of dongles and other stuff that you don't have and $160 fucking earbuds. Oh. I can't get over that. So, oh, man. So... I'm getting ready to leave to go to the Caribbean, and I'm freaking out about my phone dying and not working, and somehow not being gone for 10 days and going to Thanksgiving, and how am I going to get in touch with the parents, and all that stuff, right? So, again, I'm pissed off, and I'm I'm strongly considering doing something drastic. Like, I don't know, maybe not get another iPhone, but we'll talk about that Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. No, but at the end of the day, your phone is breaking down. Breaking down. All right, so coming up, we are less than a few days away from Survivor Series, or one week away from Survivor not Series. Not even, not even. We're yeah. like we're like five days away. Yeah, yeah, it will be coming this Sunday. Survivor Series, the last of the big four pay per views, hits this Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 
<laughs> so a couple of big things to talk about that happened on Raw and SmackDown this week. On Raw, we had the face-off between Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. Finally, they're in the ring together. We got them in front of one another, and it was epic. Yeah. They had a diagonal line of security professionals. Yeah, security professionals <laughs> are about the size of like a leadoff hitter for the Oakland A's. Right. Like, yeah, like what, or, like a, or like a horse jockey. Like, look at that guy. He's in a black suit. He's like he's like five foot four and he weighs 100 pounds, but he's he's a security guy. Sorry, go ahead. Right. No. So, yeah, it got heated. There was a great exchange. It was a wonderful promo. Uh, it got me really excited about this fight. I think we're going to have a fantastic match out of it from just two of the better pro wrestlers to ever grace the, ma- the squared circle. And I think that the Everybody's really excited about this. My fear is that it's not going to live up to the hype that they've created around it. And it harkens back to the uh, WrestleMania that they were in the last time they were in the ring together where it was all they did was like pace around the ring, yep. back and forth, back and forth, one or two moves, and then it was, bo- it was the Goldberg, boringest match Gold, ever. Yeah, Goldberg beat him with a jackhammer. It was over. Stone Cold was a special guest ref. Yeah, yeah. beers, beers, beers. We've been through this. The funny thing was, like, last week you didn't care. Last week you were like, ah, and I was the same way too. But, like, they've done it where they were like, we're like oh, no, I kind of want to watch this match. I kind of want to see what's going to happen because this, like, cool little skit they did uh, uh, on Raw this week. And then tonight... On SmackDown, the 900th episode. Yay! Guess who comes back? <laughs> yeah, that's my horrible. That's my horrible Undertaker entrance music. But yes, the Undertaker, the man we talked about, who was on crutches a couple weeks ago, walked down the ring, did his old school entrance. He came into the ring and he said, "I'm coming back in a weird way," where he wasn't like, "Ah, hey, Survivor guys, Survivor Series guys, you need to win this match. The Undertaker's going to be mad." Didn't care whatever it was. The crowd went ape shit when this guy shows up. Uh, he he's there. He's going to maybe show up at Survivor Series. I don't know, but he's rooting for the SmackDown side because that was his show and great. Yep. Undertaker was on TV. Yay. And he started at Survivor Series. His coming out party, I think, was it 91? Uh, sure, two? I don't remember. Early but... 90s, he debuted at Survivor Series. So we have had 27 years. <laughs> However many, uh, that's a lot. That's math. I've, yeah. Uh, we've had, a, Undertaker's been around, around the block. So for him to come out and go, uh, I'm back, and I don't want WrestleMania to be my legacy anymore. I'm back to digging holes and taking souls. And I just thought that was genius, that, the way he delivered that. Crowd loved it. It was a huge pop. Um, he really praised Shane McMahon for the way that he's running SmackDown uh, because he has no fear. It was a great line. Because um, he wrestled him. Because he wrestled him at uh, was it WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, to be able to get control. Yeah. Anyway, long story short here, this is going to be an awesome Survivor Series. There, we're, it's really the first major pay-per-view that we've got that is now inter-brand where we're seeing crossovers happen. We've got the Intercontinental title supposedly going to be moving back to Raw if everything goes as planned. We've got the Cruiserweights maybe moving to um, SmackDown. We've got big brawls between the two different brands. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is probably going to be one of the better pay-per-views of this year. Agreed. I'm, I'm hoping that, that the hype is real and this is going to be a classic. <laughs> Nintendo classic. So here's this like small version of the Nintendo that we've talked about that is out or coming out that has a Nintendo controller attached to it and it's got a bunch of games inside of it, right? So here's the deal. On Friday, uh, this thing broke the internet, right? Everybody on their on their world and their brother wanted this thing and and, and and within two seconds of it being available physically and 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 online, it was gone. I was in Amazon in I had one in my shopping cart. I hit add to cart and I went to checkout and it errored and I refreshed the page and it was gone and I was back to the thing and it said sold out on the button. It crashed Amazon. Yeah. So people are 
gangbusters about getting this thing, right? And and it's and of cre- course Nintendo comes out and says, "Oh, we're gonna have plenty more by the time the holidays." This is all intentional. Look, I'm I'm kind of pissed off about this. That's Nintendo's game. It's like, oh, there's this thing that they know that everybody wants. They did it with Amiibo. They did it with the Wii. They did it with the Wii U. They just under they under manufacture stuff in order to create this like imaginary demand for stuff. And here's the thing: it's different on this side because they're create they're creating an imaginary demand for something that already existed. Mm-hmm. Forever ago, and for something that you can already buy, you can, I have half of those games on the virtual console on my Wii U or the virtual console on my Wii, and I've rebought these games for a dollar or whatever it is each time. So now for sixty bucks, you're spending the same amount of money to play. This costs them nothing. It costs them the amount to make the plastic piece and the controller sticking out of the said plastic piece. It's it's a, it's a cash grab for them, and it's an, and it's and it's based on nostalgia, which I'm all about. Yeah, but. I'm I'm disappointed in the way that they did this. Me too. The execution was horrible. The fact that they're doing this kind of, like you said, manufactured demand, um, it, it's stupid. They missed out on millions of dollars. They could have sold these instantly. If they had taken pre-orders, they would have understood how, how many they were going to sell. And, and I just don't understand why they wouldn't do something like that. To, to be honest with you, I would have bought one instantly. I tried to buy one. I was going to buy a couple of them and get gifts. But the fact that they did this, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get one now. Here's what they I, might have lost me. I agree with you on this because, like, for me, it's like, okay, kids, to my kids, like, here's this old, like, this is what it looked like, and you get to play all these old games, like, and they know Super Mario Brothers the original, and they know some of the other stuff that's on that thing. But it was like, look at this, and they get to hold that controller in their hands. And I have an old Nintendo, but like, this is different. Like, it would really feel like a really cool thing if they could do. Right. And again, we've said it. This is all about nostalgia. It's all hype, and it's you know they're not getting a dime of that, and that's what really frustrates me is that you missed out on millions and millions of dollars by not doing your job by not doing the right thing so there's one other nintendo thing that i have a bit of cautious excitement for that's the super mario run game on the iphone which is coming out december 15th they announced today and ipad good point but it's it's another foray into their mobile gaming which is i think the way nintendo should go we'll see how the switch goes when that comes out next year but i think I think this is going to be something that actually is going to be good. And there is no, like, supplier demand thing. You just have to download it, and I'm all for it. Well, we've talked about it before, them going the Sega route and just being a software games company, right? Which, frankly, they are. Yeah. Uh, this whole continuing to do things with the Wii and the Switch, and I just I don't know where they're headed with that stuff. And, it, frankly, if I'm being honest, they've lost the console war. Yeah. It's, it's a Microsoft and PlayStation and Sony world now. Yeah. It, you're completely so far behind the times of where things are and where they're going that what you sell is a novelty device. You're, you're not selling me anything that's going to compete with what, what those other things are. So one other thing I wanted to add about the Classic, though, they've done a really good job of leaving in the glitches from the original games. Oh, good point. Right? So yeah. it, when you hit certain worlds or certain levels or something like that, they've actually re- had to reproduce those uh, to be on the current system, right? Oh, to cool. fit on the new TVs. Yeah, nice. So they've intentionally left all of those in there if you know where they are in Mario and like Mario 3 and sure. uh, Zelda. There were a couple. So all that's the Contra. There's a couple of them that are in there as well. Did we get Contra on the classic? I don't think so. But like, uh, but but uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out now called Mr. Dream's Punch Out is on there. <laughs> Interesting. And, I, and if I remember correctly, the code to go directly to Mike Tyson or Mr. Dream was 0073735963. Yep. That's impressive, sir. Yeah. Yep. Or expand it, I would say. You know, I mean, the, you're right. Expand the brick it to, and mortar, expand it to their entire 
catalog of items, which is infinite totally. almost. Yeah. When you turn in a game at GameStop, you get store credit, but you only can buy video game stuff in that small little niche, right? Yep. Yep. Now you have Amazon bucks, dollars, whatever, and you can spend it on anything you want to. You don't have to buy video games. Maybe you put it towards a TV. Maybe you put it towards a, towards a like you said, like a coffee grinder or right. like a, who knows? But like, <laughs> but, but that's it, it, really interesting that they're trying to say like, hey, you want to trade in games? Trade them in here. And yeah. you don't have to leave your house. That's the other thing. <laughs> That's amazing. Except to maybe drop it in the mail, but still. I think the reason we get so passionate about this stuff is because we are just massive, massive geeks. We, we do this show. We talk about all of this stuff because there is just true passion there. And, and the funny thing about this, Andy, is, is really what I wanted to talk about today for our main story is, is it's kind of a life that you live in the closet. You, 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 you're kind of a closet geek. Um, for the most part, and especially when you're in the professional world, like I've, for the last 15 years, I've spent the, uh, you know, in this corporate tech kind of thing. And you have to have this front that you wear, this stigma that you're a professional and you put a shirt on and you do all this fancy stuff and you talk a different way. But when you hang out with your buddies or you play video games, the shell comes off, right? You can be who you are. So I, I, the re- when I brought this up to you originally, it was there's two different lives that people lead when they are geeks and they like games and they like comics and they like movies and all of the you know Dungeons and Dragons and World of Warcraft and all. You don't willingly go out there and brag about it or tell people about it the same way you would. We've been programmed to brag about, hey, yeah, I won $20,000 on a horse race the other day, or I uh, watched <laughs> NFL with the boys and got fucking hammered the other night. And yeah. if, you, if you walked up to a big group of guys and said, yeah, I hung out with guys for four or five hours and we did a raid in World of Warcraft, you get that... What? Yeah, just it's, that. It's, it's like they just sucked on a lemon face. The stuff that we're talking about isn't necessarily accepted in normal social circles for people our age. Is what you're getting at, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 for what you say, for the things that you work in, um, you worked in tech and you worked in computers and you worked in that sort of stuff. That's a different thing. Uh, but you, even in that space, right? It's filled with what, geeks that are at. doing technology stuff in a professional corporate environment. And the problem is the technical people live in that geek bubble, but they have to work with non-geek people like HR, payroll, right, right. managers, all the, that don't do a lot of this stuff and don't understand how passionate they can be about it. You're the tech guy that deals with all the computer stuff, and that's fine. But then if you, then, like, you sit down with them at the lunch table, like, how's it going, yep. Nick? Good, good. What'd you do last night? Uh, I watched the... F- Football game, way to go, uh, New York Giants. And you actually can talk about that, but most most tech geeks of that do what you do might not be able to do that yeah. or or talk about that sort of like. And again, we're gonna we're gonna skew this towards males because we're both guys. Uh, you can't talk about the 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 alpha male type stuff that guys talk about in in regular company, or so we think. Right. Um, there's there's a there's a bit of an element of the things that we like. We're kind of in the closet about right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it has a lot to do with introversion, being an introvert, um, staying a lot of that, uh, keeping it secret. There's some things where you could draw some lines to anxiety for having to talk about things that you're not comfortable with in a group. But the minute you put a headset on and you talk to other people that are exactly like you or that are like the same things you do, all of that goes away. And that's just, you know, that's that's classic introversion. Yeah, and, and I, I did not grow up uh, introverted at all, but uh, but I always sort of uh, uh, have had this thing where 
you know, there was a time in college where everybody played Mario Kart and Goldeneye and all those people that used to play that will look back at that time fondly and don't play games anymore. But I never stopped. And and I am I am uh, uh, I work in the TV and movie industry and the people that I deal with on the on the management level and the, and the corporate level and, and all that sort of stuff. I can't talk to them about stuff like that. Right. But the younger guys, the guys that are, you know, 20s and they're and you know whatever they, they, they if i if i tell them that i that i have a that i play games and i do a podcast they're like wow you you do what and i'm like yeah like what games do you play like what's your xbox gamer t- you have an xbox gamer tag like yeah you have a you have a playstation network yeah yeah i do and i get all excited to talk to them they get all excited to talk about me because there's that thing you just don't talk about at work they're like it's that stuff it's the video games. It's I, I like movies, and it's kind of cool to like comic books now because comic books are are like are the big deal, right? It's movies, Doctor Strange, all these movies around. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Look, look at all these cool things that, that are out now. And 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 then people ask you questions like, oh, what, what Doctor Strange? Uh, what do you know about that? Well, I can tell you the Doctor Strange. And they're like, wow, you know about all that stuff? Like, yeah. So there's this weird like, I, I think you, I think you nailed something there, or we both did. There's like there's this sort of like. Closet geek thing that happens. Uh, it's stereotypes is really what it comes down to. We have been programmed, especially people of our age or older, have been programmed to kind of turn their nose up at geeky stuff. And I think the the younger generations now uh, and moving forward have come to appreciate those things and the value that they bring. But it was never smiled upon to sit and play Mario Brothers for eight hours. Sure. Uh, to, you know, hey, what'd you do today? Well, I built my own track and excite bike, and then I set records on it. <laughs> Good example. R- right? So, I mean, that was that's the kind of stuff I want to get into. The likes, things that people like are polar opposite when you're dealing with well, geeks versus, uh, air quotes, normal people. Right. Right? Just what we've been programmed to believe is normal. And, and what this really comes down to me is... Um, you know, it's a social stigma of being a geek. You, that you, you're a different person when you're around people versus uh, when you're with your friends. Like you and I can geek out hardcore, but we might not go out to a bar to hang out with friends and and talk about the same stuff. We might on our own off yeah. to the side, but that's not the conversation. People are going to want to talk about politics and eh, fucking Dodgers, and you know, there's just stuff, right? Not everybody plays games. Not everybody reads comics. Not everybody goes to the movies every week. But there's like, but you're right. But there's also like this, like secret handshake. Like somebody will mention something, or I'll mention something, and I'll say like, yeah. And then like I was doing this thing last night where I was on the PlayStation, and then like somebody like, what? Wait, PlayStation? Oh, oh you do it too? Okay. Uh, uh, what what games do you play? But it's like this quiet like thing that you can't talk about and like there's like a secret handshake like okay we're cool now but uh, uh the weather was great and uh i can't believe that there was an earthquake in new zealand but uh okay what was that uh gears of war did you play that yet right. like it's that kind of thing <laughs> yeah exactly right? uh where I've, this really hit home for me in the last i'd say 10 years or so is uh, is in dating and that's really been where this has really been exposed to me and where i had this epiphany at some point where wait i'm i'm being somebody that i'm not and the the reason is is because we've been programmed to uh, to know that girls don't like guys that play video games. Right. That that's just something that's that knob has been flipped. That switch has been flipped, and the girls don't like. So we don't tell girls that we like to play video games. We hide it somehow. Like when when we're not out on a date or we're not seeing them, we're not doing something with them. Uh, we're we're sneaking off and playing video games. But when we're with them, we can't even talk about it. We can't yeah. play games. We play, God forbid we play games in front of them, right? right? So those of you guys out there that have wives or girlfriends that uh, allow you to do it, much less enjoy watching you do it, I know some of you are out there. You mean like me? Yeah, well, yes. And your kids are into it, and that's a whole right. different conversation, right? 
Uh, but from a dating perspective, there's still that kind of stereotype of, oh, you play video games? Well, you must have like big, thick glasses and you got pimples and you're just that <laughs> yeah. stereotype of, yeah. of the geek, right? Just, eh, no, ooh, you're gross. I don't want to go out with you. Eh. I cannot tell you how many times that uh, a girl has ended or not gone out with me because I brought up the fact that I played World of Warcraft. Wow. I'm proud of what I did. In that game, now that I've come out of the shell, yeah, come out of the geek closet, you could say, uh, I'm proud of what I did because I explained it as, look, I ran a team of 40 plus people through some of the hardest content in the game, and it requires coordination, it requires dex- dexterity, agility, all of those traits. It's just with your with your ten fingers, yeah. And even if you're not doing that, even if you're sitting down and playing like the one player campaign in Halo, sure. That's what you do in sure. your spare time instead of in, uh, instead of what? No, let's go. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's and, and, go to the bar and get shit faced, and then we'll go to the strip club and drop a couple hundred bucks, as opposed to being at home or you know in a safe place where you're not spending money and getting into trouble and all that stuff. That was always the argument I made, but I still, still with that argument, got the eh, yeah, but video games. Eh, I don't like it. Oh, I it's can, I so can, frustrating. Okay, so I can see that. I can see the like, hey, let's sit down and watch a movie together. Yeah. Great. Let's let's go to bed. Okay, fine. Um, but but you and I are both night owls. So uh, when when you're awake or when you're awake and you don't have something to do, what are you going to do? Like we'll read stuff on the internet. Or uh, you and I are very similar. Uh, or I will I will play a game, but on a console or a computer. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, the the stigma that's that's weird because it's okay apparently in today's age. To suddenly walk around with your phone and play Candy Crush or play what uh, Pokemon uh, Go or Temple Run or Poke- Pokemon Go is a perfect example. Yep. Everybody and their mother was playing that game. So all of a sudden, all of those people that uh, for the last 20 years have made fun of the pimply face, thick glasses geek are now running around in empty parks at 3 a.m. <laughs> looking for a Chimpokomon uh, on their phone, right? So this, that's the frustrating part for me is the double standard of the stigma, right? Now all of a sudden it's cool because you got a fancy new shiny iPhone to play video games. But the minute I want to talk about what I did with my raid in a dungeon that took us four hours to complete and we're really proud that we got it done, all of a sudden, oh, God, you're a, you're a nerd, you're a geek, you play video games. Eh. Shut up. It, it's just it's, it's such a double standard and such a stigma and it means nothing. It's no different than playing sports. It's no different than uh, watching four hours of Desperate Housewives on a bender when you're binge-watching TV. <laughs> Good point. Forgive me if I don't want to sit there and watch frickin' Desperate Housewives for that long. It, somehow, magically, it's turned like hipster cool something to be a geek all of a sudden. That pisses me off. That really winds me up because you've spent the last 20 years making fun of me, and now all of a sudden it's cool because you got Pokemon Go and Candy Crush on your phone? And uh, you're going to run around with your Pac-Man retro T-shirt on and your big giant beard? Shut up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, you have, that's the worst kind of way to be with somebody. And I forgive me if I'm, this, I'm wound up about this, but I've been dealing with this for a long time in my professional career, in my personal life, in many, many facets. And I'm officially out of the closet at this point when it comes to being a geek. One of my favorite things that I saw over the last, I think it was BlizzCon 2010, was uh, one of the co-founders over there, Chris Metzen, uh, who recently who retired earlier this year from Blizzard, finally, um, did a speech called Geek Is. That was the name of his whole opening keynote. Wow. And it was imagery and storytelling of 
the twenty sided dice from Dungeons and Dragons, and he would put a story to it. Voltron, He Man, vampires, all of this stuff that is makes geek. And it just it hit home with me so hard. Uh, I'll make sure that I put that in there so you guys can go watch that. But it, it's it really changed me and turned me around and just opened my eyes. It's funny that you bring that up because uh, I, I I will be accused uh, until the day I die with my circle of friends that I grew up with as as, as maybe the guy that never grew up. Uh, I do have my adult responsibilities to my wife and my kids, and 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 uh, uh, but I still I still try to find time to do the things that I love, and the things that I love are still comic books, games. Movies, all of those things, and and I can't I can't escape it, and I never will, and I refuse to, and and even in my I'm lucky enough to be in the TV movie industry, so it's okay to kind of uh, to be that way, and and I'm sort of like I I'm a Star Wars fan. People know me as the Star Wars fan. People know me as the as the video game guy on set, and 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 they they they're okay with it. I could, but as as a as a father of two girls, and as as uh, uh, I, I'm also around a, another a group of fathers a lot. You know, there's social circles that you have with your kids and other parents and other parents look at me. They're like, wait, what you like video? You get to play video. And they look at me like, like I'm this like secret, like wizard that has figured everything <laughs> out. Right. That I still get to do all those things. And I think all of them secretly still want to do that. But there's this weird, like, uh, well, I don't know what it was what it was programmed with, but but there's this weird like thing like maybe it's from when we were kids mm-hmm. about well you just you don't do that you you play video games and you grow up and you become a lawyer and that's it and you don't get to do anything fun anymore now you're just a lawyer and you read stuff and you and and maybe I'm wrong but people get uh, they're fascinated by my life that I get to still play video games that I still get to do a podcast that I still get to go out with you and have a beer or two I still get to go to hockey games I still get to uh, whatever and that's my choice. And I'll never, I'll never like second guess that, or I'll never like, no, I'm not doing that because I'm old now. I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. Yeah. I just don't. No. And the, the whole irony of this whole situation is that today's pop culture is absolutely swimming in, in geek stuff, geek culture, the, all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, right? There's the retro t-shirts. There's the games that are catering to the new adults. Uh, the all the movies or comic book movies now, or they're written on you know sci-fi and fantasy type stuff. All the big popular movies, the big tent poles, are all into that stuff. Dude, Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest and most successful film franchises of our lifetime. Yes, Lord of the Rings. It and won the most. Return of the King still has the most Academy Awards, right? Sure, but that there is no Dungeons and Dragons, there is no RPG, there is no none of that. Lord of the Rings created that. The idea of elves and orcs and all that stuff is based in Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings is the reason that all of that happens and they made a bajillion dollars off of all those movies why was it because of all of us is it because of all the new kids well guess what all the new kids like it too mm-hmm. and it's okay to be a geek it's okay to like that stuff and Come I don't out. I don't know where I don't know where all of the where all of the the hate is coming from and maybe that's self-created by us based on where we grew up and that brings up another question to me so what are the 15 to 16-year-old kids that we once were like hiding about this sort of stuff, what are they into now? Well, they, they're, they're Snapchatters. Or maybe it's Minecraft. Minecraft's okay. Maybe I'm playing the video games that the adults play. That's fine. It's a different world we live in now because we've got streamers, we've got esports, we've got YouTubers, content creators overall, whether it's Snapchat or Vine or Twitch or any of that stuff. It's, that's a platform for them. It's a somewhat of a kind of a safe haven 
much like uh, some of these newer cons are, uh, conferences. So that's a place where they can go and hang out with their friends, and that's where they make their friends, and most of them are online. Most of my friends, uh, outside of you and a handful of other people here in L.A., a good majority of the, my quote-unquote friends are online that I've met through my travels, through different places I've lived, etc. I communicate with them online in video games, on Facebook, Twitter, etc. None of them live in L.A., other than you and maybe three or four other people, to be honest with you. Huh. So a lot of my time is spent in video games, and arguably one of the big reasons is to be social. If that sounds weird to you, then you don't understand what geek is. But for me to be able to be continue to be social and hang out with my friends, air quotes, uh, it has to be done with a headset and a game controller or a Skype session or something along those lines. And you want to hang out with people that have the like-minded, uh, similar interests that you do. Yep. And those like-minded, similar interests are Lord of the Rings and Warcraft and Star Wars and whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the whole thing we came up with uh, a couple of weeks ago. My whole thing is is now, all of those movies are getting made now because the people that grew up with it that are our age now are the people that are making those movies and making that content now. All the Blizzard people that you're talking about, all of the video game companies that we're talking about, they're making games for people like us because they are the people in charge making the games now. Yep. And before then... There was no like oh for the kids like uh, here's your here's your slinky here's your wet banana here's your Furby here's your Nerf gun right <laughs> and then the video game thing happened now all of those people are old now and they're the people making stuff for us that perpetuates all the stuff that we like so the geek culture is perpetuating and I will say until the day that I die what is happening right now is that the geek is inheriting the earth absolutely uh, who makes all these apps for you to play on your phone who builds the software for the websites that you spend hours upon hours. It would be interesting for me to see the demographics and the numbers of hours spent on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. And what are you doing with your time, person that makes fun of people that play video games? Because I would bet that it's what you're doing. You're binge-watching some bullshit TV show. You're posting pictures on some of these social sites, help arguing about politics or whatever. Meanwhile, in one of the threads, you're making fun of this guy that messaged you on Tinder, and he told you he played, on World, of, played World of Warcraft, and you dismissed him as you passively you know, go, spend all of your waking hours fucking around on social media sites. That's the double standard that pisses me off. It's okay to do what you do and completely waste your time, but the fact that I'm doing something fun and mildly productive and you know athletic to an extent, if you want to stretch the definition of that word, uh, that's where it really grinds my gears, is that there's this double standard that exists, and I'm not allowed to be proud of what I do in the public workforce in a dating environment. And I think what it really comes down to is you just got to find your people. And when you, when you come out of the closet, when you are embrace the, your geekdom, right, you can't date the people that don't like that part of you. That's a deal breaker. You have to just own that. Don't let them make the deal breaker that you play games. Make it the deal breaker that they don't like that you play games. Flip it on them, right? Don't be the introvert and just take the, the beating. Flip it around on them. I'll take it a step further. So guess what? All those guys that created Facebook and created Instagram and the people that are updating all that stuff and the people that are making that possible for you are probably Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and all those kind of fans. So all those people that are creating all these things that you love that aren't necessarily the comic book movies, but all of these apps and the sites and everything that you're going to are probably geeks as well. So guess what? We're here. We ain't going nowhere. No, we're not. 
And so, look, we always like to end this podcast with a story that's kind of interesting. So today is November 15th. I will tell you this. 15 years ago today, Halo came out for the Xbox. And I believe the Xbox, the original Xbox was released 15 years ago today. So that will lead us into our lightning round. So lightning round this week is going to be, in the spirit of Halo, the best first-person shooters you have ever played. Ready? Go! Oh, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this one, but uh, Unreal Tournament is by far my favorite first-person shooter of all time. Goldeneye. Uh, Doom. Quake 3 Team Arena. Destiny. We can't get away without oh, saying we Destiny. You can't, can't not say that. Based on the anniversary, you got to say Halo, uh, which paved the way to Destiny, frankly. Can't not say Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty's great. Medal of Honor. Yep. Was fantastic. Time Splitters. You remember that one? It was no. like it was made by the Golden Eye guys. That was a good one. Uh, what about Duke Nukem? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, yeah. handsome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, uh, there was one that I absolutely loved that a friend and I used to play called Serious Sam. Oh, okay. And that was one of those games where it's just they just throw a million enemies at you and give you the biggest, craziest guns you could think of and you just try to mow everything down and it's kind of like a last man standing live as long as you can survival kind of game yeah but it was hilarious and fun and just ridiculous and i heard that they were going to revamp it but uh we're getting ahead of ourselves here yeah um what else what other games uh, I, I remember something called bullet storm which is like another one of those like yeah. uh, you'd kick a dude and like his head would explode and like whatever <laughs> but uh yeah i mean look uh, it it's it's been an amazing uh, uh, fifteen years of Xbox and Halo uh, and all of those sort of things. But I'll tell you what, uh, this was a really fun show for me. We we yeah. got to talk about a lot of stuff uh, that that we love and we respect and and we're proud to be a part of. And I'm proud to be a part of this show with you. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna keep going as long as uh, as long as we can. We're gonna keep talking about geeks. So uh, come out of the closet with us yes, and please. be a geek. Yes, please. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. I'm your host, Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I'm Andy Nelson at AndyNelson76 on Twitter. And guess where you can find me? Playing video games. Playing video games. Being a geek and loving life. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Later. Bye. Bye.